Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and today we have what I'm calling part three of a series I'm doing called The Seven Common Questions Asked of Our Investment Counselors. All six of our investment counselors talk to investors and clients, and they all ask different questions. Some of them are very similar, as you know, a lot of common questions. But every once in a while, we you know, have stuff that is different, and some people don't even think about that question, and they realize, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe I should have asked that as well. And so I thought I'd interview or bring on each of my investment counselors, or at least four of them, to talk about the seven most common questions that they get asked in these seven categories that I've created. And the feedback has been really good with the first two. And so I'm going to do at least another one or two. And today is number three. So with me today is one of our investment counselors, senior investment counselors, Michael. Michael, welcome to the show. I appreciate your invitation. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's good to have you on. This is, I think, your first episode, is it not? Yes, it is. And uh, with that lead in, I've got some big shoes to fill. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm happy that you're on. So let's have a nice conversation here today. So we did a little chatting before we started recording here and you had an interesting twist. We don't need to get deep into it, but if you want to comment on it, you mentioned that most questions are instinctive. I thought that's okay. That's interesting. But you know, your angle that you might take here today is to answer these common questions from a more intuitive perspective. Do you want to comment on that real quick before I start diving into the seven areas? Yeah, absolutely. And part of where this came from is more of just been doing this for about five years with the rental properties, been in the financial industry, investing over 25 years. And when you had asked me to come up with the common questions, what I've noticed a lot of my clients, a lot of my investors is there's really two sets of questions in a general kind of form that they have on all of our calls. You had mentioned uh, the instinctive questions, and those to me are more the, the obvious, the procedural type questions, or like a lot of people refer to the how-to questions. What markets, how to put the pieces together, what should I expect, things of that nature. But where I've seen where some of the most important questions are those intuitive questions. And what I mean by that, these are my clients, when I get on the phone, they are asking the question, maybe not specifically in word form, but it's those intuitive questions of why. Why do I invest in real estate? Why should I invest in rental real estate? Why should I use turnkey uh, rental teams to manage my properties. Because for me, and all of my years of investing, asset classes have certain time of the years or certain events. You can look back on the late 80s, early 90s with the advent of the semiconductor and Moore's Law and increasing computing power. Technology was the asset class to be investing in. You can maybe even look to mid 2000 with the advent of the commodities and you had that run with China expanding. And so every asset class does have an environment that is why we should be investing. So I really would like to kind of take more of the approach to help our clients 
think of it as more of the why question. Answer the why question. And if you agree with the why question, the answer, then all of the instinctive, all of the procedurals, the how-tos are just pretty simple and more specific on each individual. Got it. Okay. Well, I'll set the stage and then I'll let you uh, take it wherever you want. So uh, I might conduct this the same way I did the previous two recordings for this type of episode, but we'll just take it wherever it takes us. Love it. Okay, Michael. So the first area that is really in the beginning, so the getting started, and I typically ask, you know, what is the most common question you get from clients and investors as it relates to getting started? And that could be literally anything from what do I read? Where do I start? Something related to financing? Am I making the right decision, even getting started in real estate investing? It could be anything. But this is before we, we have a conversation about markets, neighborhoods, or properties. And it's kind of the latter of the questions that you imagine. It's, should I get into real estate? Why should I be looking into this asset class? And that kind of is one of the reasons when I was thinking about of how to have this conversation with you is really to focus on those intuitive questions. And for me, that is the question to answer. Why rental real estate? Because once you know this is where I want to invest my capital, it's going to help bring all the pieces together. And very bluntly and very straightforward, the reasoning why rental real estate is the asset class of choice, in my humble opinion, is increase in inflation as well as cheap costs of capital. You look back over history, you look back in the late 80s when we had the high inflationary period and those yields were 15, 20% on some of the 30-year mortgages, borrowing costs were so high. So why rental real estate has been the asset class of choice is A, the low cost of capital, being able to maximize your initial investment, but really what's been driving over the last 18 months is inflation. And as people have been paying attention to the market, Chairman Powell switched from transitory now to more sticky inflation. And why this is so important is in an inflationary environment, in order to preserve capital and maintain your income or your growth to inflation, being in an asset that produces income helps mitigate any of the inflationary pressures that you might have. So looking forward, having your capital, not in equities, not in stocks that are based on future earnings, but having those hard assets, having those income producing assets, and best of all, having those income assets purchased with leverage today puts you in a tremendous protection period as well as in a great spot to really take advantage of the environment that we're seeing in the next three to five years. I love it. Those are two very, very big reasons. And you basically answered the why question by saying that it's inflation and we have a high inflationary environment and real estate is a natural inflation hedge. In fact, it experiences price appreciation because of the inflationary environment. And secondly, we have ultra cheap capital available that allows you to not only acquire real estate with a low 
cost of capital, but you're borrowing at historically low rates of interest. Absolutely. And so those are two perfect, call it the perfect storm, but those are two tremendous advantages of being in real estate and a real estate investor. Did I get it all right? You got it right. And let me add something that even is better. Not only is inflation driving up the appreciation value of the asset, that's your real estate. But if you kind of caught what I said at the beginning, rental real estate. And why that's important is your rents will track inflation. So over time, if inflation, goods and services, that's what your inflation is. So goods and services, that's not only is the goods you're buying or the services you're paying, but it's also your home, your shelter, which is, my memory serves me correct, is about 33% or about a third of the CPI. And why that's so important is if inflation is moving forward, not only is your house price being driven up, but also your rent rolls are being driven up. And why is that important to a rental investor? It means in the future, you're generating more income, you're generating a higher cash flow because of inflationary as well as growth expectations in the future. And to bring it all in circle to what you had alluded to about cheap costs of capital, if I'm borrowing today, I'm locking in my rate of, of interest rate, my cost of capital. But if I'm using my cap rate, if I'm using the income production of this asset to pay that mortgage down and accelerate the pay down, if that income is following inflation, it means I'm making more money in the future and using that to pay off in cheaper dollars of my loan. That is your perfect storm. That's huge. That is very powerful. I mean, that is wealth acceleration right there. Even if you don't get ahead, you're certainly beating every other asset class. So Beating every other asset class across the board. And that doesn't include all of the tax savings that, or at least to said date, uh, that the government yeah. does have. So you're right. From an asset class perspective, it's really hard in this environment to say right, there's anything right. that's going to be better. Good stuff. I mean, those are topics that we could spend hours on. And I really think you hit the bullseye there with the inflation and cheap capital as far as, you know, what intuitively speaking, the most common question would be about real estate investing and getting started. So let's transition from that, if unless you have anything else to add to it, about the most common question that is market related. And again, I'll let you take this however you want to take it and answer it however you like. Yeah, from a market, the intuitive part from the market, I think we covered it quite well. And of course, get on the call with one of us, we can, uh, the investment counselors, and we can get into more detail along that end. But the other intuitive aspect that I like to bring up that maybe uh, is not, wasn't thought of before is more of the intuitive question of why turnkey? Why not I do it myself? Because my wife and I, we have, I think we're going on our fourth asset now. And it's always that question when I talk with new clients, new investors is I don't want to deal with tenants. I don't want to deal with headaches. I don't want to deal with fixing things. Now, it, it, now, of course, you do it yourself. You should be getting paid more. But there always is that question that I have with my clients of, 
why should I invest with an out-of-state team someplace I don't know or some team I don't know that I can't go over next door and kick and knock on the door? And the real simple answer to that is because your time is worth more for you than that. And in this environment and what Narada, what our group does is helps take a little bit of those bricks out of that bag. We do a lot of vetting of our teams and we help provide our clients with these are the teams that are highly skilled and from a numbers, from an investment standpoint, the why do I do turnkey is so I don't have to worry about any of those issues. But equally so, I know that I have a great team, a great management team, a great maintenance team that's taking care of my asset. So as long as that asset is producing as such, that helps mitigate a lot of what new time real estate investors, rental real estate investors have of the, I don't want to be dealing with headaches. This is not your parents buying a house in the early 60s around the corner as a rental, going over, fixing thing. This is an investment and really that intuitive, why turnkey? Because I don't have to deal with any of the headaches that come with owning real estate. I can view my asset as an investment. And what Narada has done is brought together those teams that we have a high degree of confidence. So that's that other part of the intuitive questions that I always get. It might not be the specific question, why turnkey, but it is that general of why should I invest with somebody not around in my neighborhood, not in my area? Why should I have confidence in them? And that really, in my opinion, is why it's not worth your time as well as the teams that we have are highly experienced with providing that consistent engine. Yeah, I think you said it very well. There's a lot of benefits to investing in what we'll call turnkey real estate, whether it be a newly refurbished property or a new construction property. One of the big factors is the amount of time and brain damage that you save knowing that there are systems in place that you can take advantage of as well as vetted providers and teams of people that we just hand over to you. So you can reinvent the wheel and do it yourself and build your own team and vet your own people. That's all well and fine. But, you know, when I have conversations one-on-one with people that I meet at different events and, you know, they ask me about the company and what we do and the service we offer, and I explain it to them. And, you know, there's always a pause and they're staring at me realizing, wow, that's a lot of value. You provide a lot of things that I would need, I can't think of anything else I would need outside of your company and your network. So, you know, the question comes up, and sometimes it's unspoken, is why would I try and do this on my own or why would I go anywhere else? And the simple answer is you wouldn't. I mean, the question is why would you want to go elsewhere when we can provide you literally everything you need from markets to properties to financing and everything else in between? And then it's kind of funny, I get a chuckle every once in a while because I'll just throw it out there and I'll say, oh, by the way, you know, everything I just told you, all that value and those services, they're all provided to you at no cost, meaning it's free. Then there's a little bit of a stunned look and people ask, well, how do you make money? And then I explain to them, you know, we're essentially a real estate brokerage and we only get compensated on the sales side of the equation, not the buy side. So you as our client, 
don't pay us a single dime before, during, or after a transaction. So everything we're providing to you is free and always will be free. Oh, absolutely. So, and they're just blown away. It's like, wow. That's when the question really kicks in as in, why would I want to do this on my own? Or why would I want to go anywhere else when you're providing me literally everything I need? And you've been doing this for 18 years and there's no cost? Sign me up. You know, that's kind of the reaction I get. Exactly. And I will always say, it doesn't mean you don't do it yourself, right? I mean, let's not discount that. But you also want to just measure the return. If you're only getting a 1% more return, but you're spending 20 hours a month working for that, well, I think you can take that time and have much more value to it. Because I do have some clients that occasionally, you know, they've looked at some of our properties, but you know, they have 10 or 15 homes and they're, they enjoy to manage it. Perfect. But I always like to say to that is in that scenario, at least measure the engine, make sure you're getting yourself paid for your time. And I always remember a story of a, a good client of mine up in Michigan getting 18% cap rates. Well, not going to beat that. And I'll be very honest, <laughs> right. not going to beat that. And But yet, he doesn't mind doing the work to get it, and so be it. But it's always that most of my clients, and kind of to what you're alluding to, really say, well, why wouldn't we use you, is they have another job, they've got another career, they've got family, they don't have that time, so you're absolutely correct. They look at us and say, well, why wouldn't we use and Exactly. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah. And before we go on to the next category, I, I just like to paint both sides of the picture, you know, the good and the bad. You made a comment, something about not having to deal with tenant issues and headaches and this and that. The reality is, is that nothing is going to be perfect. There never will be a case where you are investing in real estate and that you will not have a call from the property manager because there's an issue, large or small. Usually they're minor issues and you don't actually even hear from a property manager when things do come up. But the reality is we're dealing with two things. One is we're dealing with humans that are sometimes either unpredictable or have family and life situations, whether it be a job transfer, job loss, a death in the family, whatever it is, and there's a bit of a disruption in their financial life. And sometimes that trickles up to you as a property owner and they have to move or break their lease or they're late on a payment or maybe they end up skipping a payment and hopefully later catch up. And that's often the case. But things do happen. So it's not like there won't be a little bit of drama or bumps in the road. And second, we're dealing with properties that over the long term do have wear and tear. This is why we budget for maintenance and repairs. And over the long term, you know, you you certainly are going to have capital expenditures, you know, costs to replace things that last 10, 20 or 30 years, like let's say a roof. So knowing that up front and knowing that that is 1% of your investing journey, the other 99% is, is going to be great. And so you have to understand that nothing is going to be 100% 100% perfect. It might be 98, 95% perfect throughout the years, but little things will come up. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to throw that in just to make sure that people understand that investing in turnkey rentals, even new construction, does not mean that things are perfect all the time, every day of the year. Absolutely. And that, and that's good clarity. I'm, I'm glad you did bring that up. I was kind of, when I was referring to that, is more of that day-to-day stuff, yeah. getting the phone call at two in the morning or finding the client, but you're correct. And, and I'm glad you did clarify that. It is our asset. It is our investment. It's going to take 
investment type questions and issues will pop up. So that will be needed to be. And, and also just kind of yeah. on, a, on a side note, anybody else out there that can get me a guaranteed return, please let me know because I would love to find that guaranteed return. Right, right. So let's transition to neighborhood related questions. So I have no idea how you're going to answer this, but what would you say is the most common, commonly asked question as it relates to neighborhoods or anything related to neighborhoods? That does get into more of kind of what we had talked about at the first of that instinctual kind of question that like where is it an A neighborhood? Is it a B neighborhood? Is it a C neighborhood? Is it a D neighborhood? Well, kind of the way I like to approach that is it's just, it's a personal question. It's as I love to say to all of our clients, what allows you to go to sleep at night? And what I mean by that is every market, every neighborhood has a return to it. It's a cost, it's a risk reward type, type analysis. So I would tend and want our clients to be more because everything is offhand. You want to be in those, I guess you could say, those subjectively looked at BA type neighborhoods, if you want to call them that. But at the end of the day, everything still bases on the property management team, bases on the team. If you listen to one of my calls, I commonly make the joke. It's either a beachfront property in San Diego, which is where I live, or a house in the middle of Montana. It doesn't matter where it is. If it's not rented, it's making you what return? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Correct. So that's why, yes, you might pick a certain neighborhood, but always remember, we're not living there. Our kids or grandkids are not living there. This is an asset. And as long as the asset, which then translates to the property management team, you can be in that level. Now, if you want to sleep at night, if you want to have that comfort, yes, you start to look at a little higher quality houses, areas, neighborhoods, equally so. Your price points will go up. Your returns will get a little skinnier. So that's just that common balance that I have having that discussion with all of our clients because some clients a little bit more familiar with real estate a little bit more familiar with areas, a little bit more risk takers. Others are, good example, my parents at 79, very, very risk adverse. So they'll forego a little bit higher return in order to get a little bit more consistent neighborhood in their opinion, but at least that kind of what it looks like on paper, if you want to use that phrase. Okay, I'll take it. That, that works for me. So... I'll transition to properties if you're done with the neighborhood related questions. Yep. Okay. Yep. So again, same type of question. What is the most common question you get asked as it relates to properties now when they're looking at any kind of turnkey rental or property that we're providing? Well, I think that kind of gets back to that original question of what are your investment goals? If you're kind of thinking of the of the instinctive, like where do, what markets make sense to me? Okay. Because often the property type can dictate what your goal is. Meaning just like what we had talked about neighborhoods. If you're looking for the highest return, that's not gonna be a new build. That's gonna be an older home that's been rehabbed, maybe a lower price point home, or maybe in a market that has a lot higher income production and not as much growth. So, from a property type, that really is driven by what is your objective and also what is your comfort of the asset you want. And here's the big difference that I've seen 
especially post-COVID. With the driving of rates, with this inflationary environment, there's been a lot of appreciation, a lot of driving up of current assets, which is pushing up the value of the rehabs. Conversely, there are still new construction. Yes, we had a little commodity spike, little in quotes. Uh, mm -hmm. Lumber went up to about $1,600 per thousand yard, but it's pulled back. But in relative speaking, it is still in a, a, a solid rate of return as compared to rehabs now. As pre-COVID, there was a pretty bit material difference. So one of the questions and kind of from an asset or property that I've been exploring and really diving into with a lot of my clients is rehabs versus new builds. I'm really starting to see a lot of value in a new construction as compared to the rehabs if, and this is the key, if my clients have a time frame of at least three to four or more years. If we're looking for a straight yield play, the rehabs tend, those property types tend to have the higher cash flow. But on a longer term view, as I mentioned, three, four, maybe even five plus years, I'm seeing those new construction because the differentiation between the overall cap rates, the overall returns are much smaller now. Therefore, the, the ancillary benefits of new builds New homes, CapEx, potential growth appreciation, potential appreciation in rent, demand moving into those markets. Those are coming very, very attractive assets moving forward. So from a property type, that's kind of where we have that, that overall discussion of rehabs versus new construction. That's really interesting. One thing I was thinking of as you were describing that with the time horizon do you talk to people that are looking at a short time horizon? In other words, somebody has got, you mentioned three years, and I can't imagine having a short time horizon with investment real estate. I mean, for me, if I'm going to own property, I'm going to keep it forever. I'm never selling it. And I've said this before, the only time I'm going to sell anything is if I have better opportunities elsewhere and I'm doing a 1031 exchange. So my time horizon is forever. It's not five years, it's not 10, it's not 20 years, it's it's forever. And, you know, and I might take a 30 year time horizon just because of depreciation, but I can't imagine that you're talking to anybody that has a short time horizon, like three to five years, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but see that, but see, that's a good question, but you're, you're thinking of it as liquidating the asset, right? That's how you're, that's, is that how you're looking at selling the asset, right. right? I'm thinking of more of why I'm owning the asset. Take if I'm 79 years old and I need to start paying bills next month. What is my time horizon? My time horizon is two months because I need the income to pay my bills and live on. Now, myself at 36 again, and I use the again uh, as that joke there. I've got a 10 or 15 year window. So I don't care. I don't need the income for the next six or seven years to service, to pay my bills, to live on. So for me, it's a different asset class. So it's a good point you're making, but what I'm not looking at it as selling the asset, I'm looking at it as why am I buying rental income 
real estate. I'm doing it for the income stream. So it's more of the perspective of time of when I need the money for X reason. That's what I mean by a three or less year time. Got frame. it. So it's more of the income production as driving the time frame, not the liquidation of the asset. Because I'm with you. There's no reason why any of us should ever sell a piece of real estate unless we're looking to go into another real estate, i.e. what we talked at the beginning of the call. Right. Cheap rates and inflation. Right. Okay. I get that. And that topic alone could be a conversation in itself. I mean, we could talk about that for 10 yes. minutes or two hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we talked about properties, property-related questions. Let's transition to management-related questions. Again, same question. What are the most common questions you get related to management? And you're going to probably shift this into the why. Yeah, it's a little bit shifted to the why as a why you do it. But probably the, the simplest property management questions are just performance. What is their experience? What is their you know, turnover rate? What is their average? More of those just procedural system questions that are just specific to each team. Most of my investors, when we're at this position, it's more of a understanding, having a conversation with the property management team and knowing that they're competent. Because at this point, we already got the asset. We've got the why. I just need to know I've got a good captain at the ship that's going to manage my engine. So really, the, the any property management questions would just be those very basic how many properties you have under management, what is your turnover, what is your average tenant stay, things of that nature, just on a very data-driven type type questions from the management side. I'm gonna send you a bit of a curveball question here, just out of curiosity. What are your thoughts, if any, between self-managing versus having a full-service property manager? Do you have an opinion or a bias on that, or is it just whatever the client wants to do? I would probably have to say it's got to be what do the numbers tell you? Numbers don't lie, right? That old statement, right? Numbers don't lie. So if I'm going to self-manage something and I can make a much better return, or a good example is, is one of the assets that my wife and I own is in San Diego, and we manage it ourselves. Why? Because we live here, but also more importantly, where rents are in this in this city, that's a big monthly payment for not a lot of headache. Now you're in middle of Montana, you're in Tennessee. Self-managing that at a state, that will probably put a lot of cost. So I always will just fall back on run the numbers. If you self-managing it, makes you saves you more money or makes you a better return then it then you do a cost analysis so for me the simple answer to that question is run the numbers if you're making more money for your time then do it if not or equal or less then why would you spend your time or effort when you have professionals that can do it for you on that right day? and roughly anything out of state I would not self-manage at all, of course not. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely mixed opinions and mixed feelings on that. And there's really no right or wrong answer. Oh, of course I, not. I don't have the time to, even though it's minimal, but I don't have the time right now to self-manage my own properties. Even though the tools are out there and Absolutely. we've had two guests on this year, yep. 
talking about how to self-manage and all the tools that are available and how you can do it quite easily. And I'm not opposed to it. In fact, I'm quite interested in trying it. So, but right now it's just not the right time for me. Yeah. And I'm not opposed to it. That's why, you know, from kind of the straightforward run the numbers, but all it takes is one major issue or one bad turnover and you're never going to want to self-manage yourself. I will leave it with that because that is, All right. you know, when you self-manage or you have a you know, couple partners here and there, as long as it's smooth, as long as it's perfect world, absolutely. It's when you start getting calls at two in the morning or you have something that, you know, really comes up. Yeah. That having that full turnkey, as long as the numbers make sense, that's usually where I would lend to drive and make that suggestion. Okay, so we're on the home stretch here. So let's transition financing. What is the most common question you get related to financing? It's kind of a good question because most of my clients understand financing in the sense of they need to get a mortgage. So the most obvious just structural question or process question is where can I get the cheapest rates? Which is all we want the cheapest rates. Now you do occasionally have investors who have maybe looking for an alternative form of of a, of a lending instrument, a non-conforming loan, or maybe a non-recourse loan. I do find when a lot of our clients might not be aware of the retirement dollars rolling into a solo 401k, you can use leverage. Unlike in the stock market, there are no margins that you can use. I don't need to go into ETFs because yes, you can get a little margins there, but on kind of the straight investment out of your retirement account, it's $100 goes into $100 share. There's no margin in your uh, retirement account. In real estate, there is a non-recourse, which is leverage. So probably if you, other than just where is the cheapest rates or who would you use, Michael, for conventional, the only other common questions are, how can I get more loans i.e. non-conforming loans above your 10 slots, or I've heard something about retirement accounts, can I get loans? And then that's where you get a lot of kind of aha moments of clients, investors knowing, wait, I can leverage my retirement dollars into, into real estate. And then those will be where we kind of dive into that non-recourse loan. Okay. Not sure if there was a question there or an answer to a question, but that's fine. I guess is the common question is how do I finance or are they already, you're, you're saying they already know they need to get financing because it's other people's money and it, it's ultra cheap financing right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I have personally not have any clients saying what is leverage? What is conventional financing? What does that mean? Every individual that I've been speaking with understands that you buy an asset with leverage. So if you, if you're asking for a common question, it's just, okay. where can I get the cheapest conventional financing? Okay. Now, where I do get new questions is on the, I can't get conventional financing. Are there other loan options? And yes, there's different loan, loan options out there, non-conforming, non-conventional, even non-recourse at that point. That's where if you get any question, if you want to kind of peg it in that sense is people asking, I've used my 10 slots. I cannot get any more Fannie Freddie Mac back conventional financing loans. How can I get other sources of leverage? And I'm sure a lot of the listeners know by now, and you're probably telling people as well, that 
what we have, Norada Real Estate Funding. So as far as unconventional loans or non-QM loans, we can basically finance somebody to infinity after they've gotten their 10, up to 10 conventional loans. Absolutely. And you love that little lead in I got for you there. Yeah. So yes. Definitely <laughs> worth Nevada mentioning. Funding does. Yes, sir. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of, especially now, a lot of my clients are looking to get that additional loans because even at a little bit higher rate, it's still in a very, very advantageous position with where uh, cap rates are. Exactly. Yep, for sure. Okay. And lastly, so a client has purchased, they've closed, they now um, have possession of and title to a new property, a new rental property, new investment property. What, if anything, do you get as far as the most common question post-closing? How can I get more? <laughs> that's always a good question. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's and that's an honest answer. Because if we've answered the why, and then once we go through the process and you see how we and our teams, let's not forget our teams, our teams have put together their processes and made this a very efficient manner, then everyone realized it's like buying stock. It's like buying Apple and buying Microsoft or putting money into a savings bond or buying commodities. It becomes a very efficient system, and they realize – I got to take advantage of these rates. I got to get in front of inflation. And if I do have the available capital, it is, how do I get more, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning that there's a learning curve. And when you get your very first rental property or investment property, there's a lot that you're going to learn in that first transaction. But as you go from the first to the second, it gets a little bit easier. As you go from that second to the third, it's a little bit easier. There's a lot of things that are repetitive and common, and they become ultimately familiar to you. So that 11th property after you've gotten your 10th is that much easier. And so as you go, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. So there is a learning curve. It's not difficult, but it's a little more difficult in the beginning. And as you go and you start to build your portfolio and stack properties, it just becomes very familiar to you. So the whole thing about how can I get more? Well, you just rinse and repeat. It's the same process with some differences. You're looking at different properties and maybe you're looking in different markets as you go. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, the process is the same. Yep. So that's how you get more. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Well, Michael, anything else you'd like to share or any advice or comments you want to give our listeners before we wrap it up? Other than get on a call, speak with your investment counselor, start to have that discussion because I talk with a lot of my clients every once in a while. I kind of make that little analogy of, I remember sitting in front of the trading desk at 2008. I saw Bank of America at 97 cents. It was in the fear of thinking they were going to nationalize the banks. If you would have thought and, and had the right decision as they're not going to nationalize the banks, then this is a great opportunity. That's where we are with interest rates. In about three, four years, we are all going to collectively look back and say, why were we not buying rental income on leverage? Because it's, an, it's a once in a generational opportunity. So my suggestion yeah. would be anybody listening to this, get on the phone with your investment counselors, give them, give me a call, start discussing what the next steps are, and just see if you have the ability to start building out that portfolio. Yeah, that's perfect, Michael. And if I may, I'll just add one or two quick comments to that. You know, the old saying, when was the best time to start investing in real estate? Well, you can pick any year in the past and say, well, that was the best time. 
and even towards a peak because you know long ago when you had a peak well that's a low decades later yep. but the best time to invest in real estate was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago the second best time is today and the other thing i'll say in addition to that is don't wait get on the equity train and i've said this many times on this podcast when people ask me should i invest in real estate is it too late or is now a good time my answer is always this it's always a good time because it's not a question of when should I invest. It's always a question of where should I invest. It's a function of location. It's the fundamentals and the dynamics in a market that determine whether it's a good time to be investing there, specifically there. So it's not about if, it's about where. It's not about when, it's about where. And I can argue that you know to the ends of time. So I think that's where I'd like to close it. How about you? Amen to that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, Michael, again, thank you for taking the time to come on this uh, part three of our series. I think this will be very, very beneficial for a lot of people. And as Michael said, if you know you want to have this conversation or a similar conversation or just talk about real estate investing, what it can do for you, where to invest, or anything that we've talked about here today, by all means, just contact us, talk to your investment counselor, or go to the website, fill out the form if you're new to us, and we'll, uh, we'll certainly connect you with our team. That is it for today. So remember the free strategy sessions. Shoot me a question about real estate if you have a question that hasn't been covered on the podcast yet. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so already. And that's it. So thank you for listening and we will see you all on our next episode. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.